Welcome to The Art of Growth and our series on a culture of the different cultural components that make a healthy workplace. We've talked about a culture of responsibility and a culture of trust, and today we're talking about a culture of empathy. But if you know us, you know we're not going to go in the typical mainstream concept of this. We're going to make a different turn. The hub of all of our work is theartofgrowth.org if you'd like to find out more about us. But for now, let's go ahead and jump in to talking about empathy. With me, Jim Zartman, my co-host, Joel Hubbard. All right, so we've been talking about cultures of different uh, things. So culture of responsibility is how we began. And we've talked about a culture of trust. Now what we want to do is talk about a culture of empathy. Now, immediately I have a twinge in my tummy because I remember <laughs> thinking back 10 years ago, if you had mentioned this to me, I would have thought, Ugh, like, yeah. that is not interesting to me because it feels too soft, too enmeshed. And like, what kind of environment uh, would that be? It's like, you know, like, like everybody's... A, like the, you're okay, I'm okay. Like yeah. Everyone's just fine. Like, yeah. no, no challenge. No challenge. No, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, and I like, I like an easy environment. That's nice. I, I enjoy yeah. that. But, you know, empathy felt too emotional to me. And of course, mm. for me personally, that's an area that I've, I've had to grow in yeah. and have over the last few years. So now I value it enormously. Um, but I want to be quick to define what we mean by empathy and what we don't mean mm. by empathy. So I figured I'd begin by by a distinction between sympathy and empathy. And and it's a mm. somewhat of an arbitrary one because everybody's got a different one out there. And I've heard different explanations. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure I'm convinced by the ways that people explain yeah. the difference. People have been them. giving different definitions of this. I've read a bunch of different ones. And they're all just slightly nuanced. But I think there's yeah. what we're trying to talk about is the intent and the heart behind the definitions. You know, s- sympathy is, well, you know, I feel bad. I feel bad because you feel bad. Yeah. And that's my definition. My definition for empathy is I'm learning to actually relate at a deeper level to your experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So that involves uh, the ability to feel your own feelings and then relate to other people mm. and their feelings. So that's what I mean. Empathy is not like, I'm carrying your junk now, or I'm carrying right. your emotions for the rest of the for the, for the rest of right. the day or for the rest of the week. No, I carry them with you, and when I'm with you, I'm there present to them. But it's not something that I need to carry with me from there on, or yeah. or make my own, right? And so I think that that's to me an important kind of safeguard around empathy is that we're practicing relating to other people's experiences and seeing if we can feel the same feelings they might be feeling in that situation. And yeah. You have to also ask, how are you doing? How is this, what is this like for you? Um, rather than guess or not deal with it at all or over-relate and be yeah. like, oh, I know exactly what that's like. I had, mm. no, you don't. No. Right. So empathy is I'm in a posture of res- of more of like a laid back, like I'm pulling yeah. back on my own self here and I'm trying to understand what it's like to yes. be in your shoes. Yeah, I think of empathy as the capacity to make space for the other's experience. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, I have to be aware of my own reactivity to whatever they're experiencing. So I think in a culture of empathy, when that 
is happening, when we're seeing a culture of empathy take place, when someone else has a certain experience or reaction, or they've, they come from a different background, they, they have an experience that's completely different than ours. I can make space to that and I can watch my own reactivity to that. And I don't have a, a judgmental reaction, a negative reaction, a, um, a need to either one up you or, or I totally understand. I can make space for that. I can make room for that. I can welcome that and go, okay, wow, that's, that sounds really hard. Is there anything I can do to help today? Yeah. You know, I'm here for you, but I'm not having that internal reaction where I'm stirred up because that's not empathy. That's another system taking over that we don't have time to get into here. One of those other systems. When there is empathy, I can make space for your experience and I can welcome it. <laughs> hmm. But that doesn't mean that it derails the work. Yeah. It's so important to to name that. I love that. So how then do we create a culture where that's the case, where that's happening on a regular basis? Well, there is an aspect of this awareness piece. So one of the things we consistently hear when we do our Enneagram Foundations course, which is like the very first course we do with a company, that first four-hour experience where they understand this, the lights start going on. Oh, that's what it's like to be you? One of the primary reasons that I've heard companies hire us at different points in time is because they're trying to create more of a culture of empathy where the people on the team, they actually see where the other person's perspective is coming from. I have a better understanding of what it's like to be in your shoes. I can't understand. That's right. That's a super important component of empathy and compassion, relatability. I cannot understand, but I can kind of get a feel for it. I can kind of get a picture of it. I can observe it and go, oh, that's what it's like to be you? Mm -hmm. There's a bit of a back and forth between you and them that has to happen in terms of even space. So when we're saying, what is it like to be you? We're entering into their world with curiosity. What is that like? And then there's the return back to the self. In what way do I relate to that? And then there's a checking that out with the person. You go back. Is it like this for you? Mm. Not, oh, I know exactly what that's like. Or I understand. Yeah. Not, not really. Not yet. It's maybe <laughs> way too early. So is that like this for you? No, not quite. It's more like this. Oh. And there may come a point where you realize, I don't know that I've ever had that experience. Or I don't know that I've ever had that, that, that emotion or that, you know, that reaction. Oh, I'm pretty sure if you ask enough questions, you will ex you will absolutely get to the point where you say, I don't think I've experienced it like that. Right. Yeah. But because you've had this interaction with the person, now it stays with you. And so in that sense, mm -hmm. you've had an experience. You have an experience that's not direct, but you've mm -hmm. had an experience through their experience because you, stood lo you stayed long enough <sighs> and your own heart now has woken up to that, that. and will remember some of that. And then when you cross a certain bridge at some point in your own life, you may have that experience. And so I think we enrich ourselves. That's why I don't think the emotions are just purely contained in like in ourselves. I think it's more of a, a collective and an individual. There's like a, I'm learning from your emotions. I'm borrowing some of them. They become mine. You're borrowing from my experiences or my articulation. Because I remember certain people have, you know, they'd articulated an emotion that I'd never even thought about. And the more that I thought about it and the more that I looked for it in my own life, it eventually started showing up. 
Yeah, they actually had the capacity through their own experience to name something that you had experienced but not been able to name yet. That maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. So and I do think that that process of doing that can be done at work without it being something that takes an hour in conversation. No, if it's part of the culture, when we're talking about a culture yeah. of empathy, this is just a consistent mechanism that is at work and at play, not something that we're sitting down and taking lots of time with, because that can impede productivity just as much as a lack of empathy can lead to a conflict, which is then impacts productivity. Right. So we're trying to hit this middle ground. Right. And so the, the practice of it is something that can be done, and if there's an agreement on a team, that we practice empathy. Mm. It, it's, it's not necessarily that you all have to be empathetic types on, in this organization yeah. or on this team. There are some that are more prone to that just because of their own personality types. But it isn't exclusive. I mean, I think all of us can practice the curiosity piece of like, what's that like for you? Mm. Uh, tell me more. Is it like this? I've had an experience where it seems to relate, but maybe it doesn't. What was that experience like for you? And then the more that that goes back and forth so that you can learn about what that experience was like for that person, you can actually make significant headway in terms of getting that culture to feel like they that, like there's a lot of care happening there. Mm-hmm. And then it moves the team forward towards productivity. Because mm-hmm. when you know that people around you actually care, you know that there's genuine interest in your life, that environment shifts significantly. Mm-hmm. And people want to work and love to work in a place where they are, they feel like, yeah, I'm seen and I'm cared for. And you yeah. know, people understand and people take time. And I think productivity increases. Here's why, because I think the reverse is also, it, it happens all the time, which is, I'm trying to eke out something, right? People think it's just like you're here to work to just eke out an existence, to, to make money or to climb the, the corporate ladder to gain some kind of le- prestige and all that. Prestige, power, possessions, right? The three Ps. People think that that's it. That's what we're after. No, we're after something significantly deeper than that. We want to feel connected in this world. We want to feel like we belong. We want to feel like we have significance. Yeah. And empathy helps to get there. And People, instead of chasing it, are now experiencing it and working from that. And so, the, to me, there's a this greater productivity when you feel like I have the support and I have the concern and the care of people around me who are working with me. Yeah, well, the, there's very good stats on longevity of life being connected to the quality of relationships. And the quality of relationships needs to happen as a result of what you were just describing, which was a caring curiosity in those interactions. So it's demonstrating care that you're even willing to ask questions. That demonstrates a lot of care to people. And I think of a culture of empathy as something who is a culture that develops a skill of asking curious, caring questions to each other because that's going to improve the quality of that relationship, which is going to be more sustainable. When all these companies are talking about retention, if you don't have a culture of empathy, you don't have retention. Yeah, that's right. It's a major component of that. 
if people can interact on a daily basis in a way, and I think this has gotten more complicated with uh, remote work and people not interacting yeah. outside of like uh, the, the productivity line. So I, I think there is going to be a, a point in which we realize it's so much of the space outside of that, outside of the, the meeting. Yeah. But still, even in this time, there's ways that we can interact that allow for that curious care that allows the, the increased quality of relationship that leads to greater productivity. Yeah. So this has to be done in a way that communicates that it's from a place of authenticity, yeah. from a place of genuineness. But that doesn't mean you have to feel empathetic in the moment. You might be meeting with someone, one of your team members, yeah. um, and they bring up a situation like, well, I had a, I had this issue over here at home and blah, blah, blah. And you might say, oh, okay. And you're like focused on the agenda and you want to get back to that. And you and yourself might not be feeling all that compassionate or empathetic, but you can still act in your best self. Like, who am I at my best self? Because I'm not just agenda-driven. I'm not right. just get, get to the finish line as quickly as we can. I'm not just those things. I'm also a person that genuinely does care. I may not be feeling that right now because maybe I'm stressed. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I've had a hard day myself. So how do we act that out? And I think that that's an important thing is like you behave in the way that's consistent with your values, even if your own emotions right now are not necessarily with you. Mm. Yeah, I think this is why I was referring to it as a practice. Right. That's what it is. So, and I think you named the first practice, which is the mm. questions, how you ask. Yeah. Curious, caring Curious, questions. yeah. What was that like for you? Yeah. Tell me more. So the second thing is, how do you engage your body, Jim, to demonstrate empathy? Mm. I'm very conscious of the body language component of it because for me, the actual sense of caring for a person follows the body language. That if I actually like look at them and I like turn my body uh, I think somebody used to say to my daughter, like, no, listen with your face. <laughs> like, they're in the face towards yeah. the person where yeah, they yeah. can actually look at them and genuinely and think yeah. about, like, the facial expression. Just in the last couple of years, I would, I'll actually do something when I ask a question where I do put my hand physically on my chest over my heart because it communicates, like, oh, I'm hearing you from this perspective, not mm -hmm. just from my mm -hmm. head perspective. I'm hearing you from the heart space. Yeah. And even that makes me more aware of my own listening and, yeah. and what they're saying. Yeah, I love that. I think that that is so helpful is you you posture your body in a way that's like, I'm here. Yeah. And so your body goes still, right? So even if you're like hyper and you're moving, your body's fidgety, you know, at the time you can, you slow it down, breathe in. Mm. Bring your body to a point of stillness. You could start to do this, and I now do it instantaneously. At first, it was like real, real conscious thought. Now it's not. Mm. Now, as soon as someone says, "So I'm dealing with something," as long as I'm in my best self. If I'm not, then it's not going to happen. But if I'm in my best self, uh, I can get to my. I can best get self. to my I best self. It, there right? we go. I can get there. Then I then I can immediately pivot to my body. Go still. I make eye contact. I don't look away. And I slow my breathing and, and because that itself, just that itself, people feel it. People feel the energy drop. Mm -hmm. They feel the, you know, the, the energy in a calm state, in a present state. 
and so then they feel more they feel more safe and they feel more more seen. Um, the third thing I would add is the tone of voice. That should have said that that was second because that goes along with the words. But the tone of voice, tone, yeah. How you slow down and you ask questions like, uh, "So tell me more about that." I've had to coach some people around this. Like, we we've role played because they wanted to be better with their employees. They're like, "So tell me more." It's like, <laughs> I slow that down. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me more. Drop your voice. Be calm. Be present. But like you said. The funny thing about it is when I do it, even if I'm not feeling it, the feelings do end up following. And it's like, ah, yeah, that's my best self right there. I like yeah. me in this space. I like being empathetic. I like being caring. And again, it's not something that takes, sometimes can take, you know, five, 10 minutes. And, and sometimes less. And sometimes less. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes all they wanted to do was say, this is where I'm at today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get into it. I just wanted to let you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, if you do, I'm here for you. And what's a couple of questions that are really good to like, you know, how do I respond in this moment as the one listening? What are some questions that uh, I think immediately of like, a, like, you know, what do you need from me? Or, you know, yeah. do you need support right now? Do you need, are you looking for solution? Are you looking for just for a yeah. listening ear? You know? Um, right. That, that Those can be helpful questions if you don't know what is yeah. Do you want to be heard or helped? Is this just heard? You just want to yeah. be heard? Do you want to be helped? And communicating in this way, it shares that you're coming from a empathetic place, but also an authentic place. Genuine curiosity definitely sparks that. And others feel cared for when we come from a genuinely authentic and curious place. So that'll do it for this episode. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of these. And you can find out more at our website, theartofgrowth.org, especially if you're looking to have us train on one of these subjects within your organization. But for now, my friends, may you be deeply curious about your own internal world and the experiences of others. At the very heart of who humans are, we are accomplished. We do perform well. We do accomplish goals when we are in good communication, when we are coming from a solid place of connection to each other. So may we use the curiosity to develop the empathy that creates the connections, the leads to more purpose fulfilled. Grace and growth, my friends.